Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, episode 16, for Thursday, October the 26th, 2017. This Week in Voice is brought to you by Voice XP, blazing the trail in voice technology. Voice XP is taking the lead in developing Alexa skills for some of the best brands in the world. With Voice XP, all you have to do is say it to revolutionize your marketing strategy. I say this every episode. You really need to check them out. They're doing amazing work, www.voicexp.com. And I'm going to give them an extra shout out today because tonight uh, they are all in Seattle right now uh, visiting with Amazon. If you are in the Seattle area, look them up on Twitter. There is a special music concert tonight that they're hosting with a rapper, uh, platinum rapper, Chingy, who has incorporated Alexa into his new album. They're blazing trails. Need to check them out. Voice XP. We are thrilled to have a great panel today. First is Brian Romley. Brian, say hello. Hello, Bradley. How are you? Doing good, Brian. Uh, nice to be back in the saddle with you. What are you? What What have you been up to? Uh, I just came back from Las Vegas in the Money Twenty Twenty Conference, and that was a an incredible experience. And uh, I was able to give a well, at least one official talk up there, but many uh, uh, side talks uh, to a standing room only crowd, and it is just amazing how many people in the fintech world, the banking world, the uh, the payments world are starting to fully understand how voices. Uh, interacting with the real world. So that was my experience this week. I, yeah, that was very interesting just to follow that conference. And it uh, looks like you did a great job. Uh, thank you for setting the time aside today. Uh, not a problem. Our other guest is Ryan McKenna's Director of Marketing at Voices. Ryan, say hello. Bradley, how's it going? Doing good, Ryan. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you guys are doing great work. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's been a busy time for us as well. And if you missed it, uh, the CEO and founder of Voices, Dr. Peter Cahill, was my guest on artificial intelligence a couple of weeks ago, and that episode uh, just hit recently, so check that out on Voice First FM as well. So with that, we'll get to the news. Our first story this week is one we've been waiting a long time for. It's the VoiceBot AI story of the week, which is that Amazon has introduced monetization for Alexa skills, starting with a $1.99 subscription for their Jeopardy game, which is also free for Prime members. So if you're not a Prime member, you pay. You are a Prime member, you don't pay. There's a whole lot of, uh, there's a whole chorus line of people who have applauded this move, including the link on thisweekinvoice.com from Motley Fool. But Ryan, I want to start with you. What do you take away from this? Do you view this as a good thing just like I do? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing they're doing, and, this, and especially the fact that this is way more valuable for Prime members in terms of uh, kind of the value they get out of this. I think it's really smart for Amazon. I think it's uh, one more way for them to build an ecosystem around uh, kind of what Apple had done with the App Store and realizing that the power is, is, in the, is in the ecosystem and not in them kind of owning those integrations and seals themselves. But I do think that it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, I think a lot of us 
uh, understand kind of the usage numbers and the statistics around how people are using Alexa and the Echo Show and and what skills and what experiences will be valued, valuable to both. I don't I don't know if it will be as profitable and prosperous as being an app developer or, or doing things uh, in that world for iOS and Android, but I do think that it's the right move on their part uh, to kind of move towards a highly, highly valuable um, skill set ecosystem that they can really reward people to kind of make that better. Because at the end of the day, Alexa's adoption rate is going to increase if the value is there on the consumer side. It's interesting, isn't it, that they started with a subscription rather than just a one-time purchase. I think that's one of the little fascinating subplots of what's going on. Brian, I'll turn to you on this. Uh, I know we both have been clamoring for monetization for some time, although you've had your eyes further down the road than I have. What are your thoughts uh, based on what Amazon has done with this Jeopardy game? Well, Bradley, I tell you, it is uh, an incredible move forward for Amazon. And um, they actually have telegraphed a number of signals through this, if not tests that they're doing, and how users might be able to want to be uh, uh, either uh, seeing value uh, within the Prime membership or being able to actually just buy uh, or pay for a service directly. So to unpack it, in my view, uh, I'll go on the, the first part. The first part is it's incredibly important to think about how unlike anybody else in the space, Amazon has a prime model built around Alexa. And that is the biggest hand that wound up showing up at this point. And what that means is the whole compensation is going to radically change the entire industry, perhaps. So how does that work? If you look at what Prime has done for movie distribution and music distribution, it, it becomes sort of an extension to being part of their greater membership. And you know this also with book uh, uh, booksellers and, uh, and, and uh, e-books, that it, it has been both a boom and a bust for, for e-books. And I'm hoping that we don't get the downside that we saw uh, within some of the e-book scenarios. Some of the big questions one might have is what exactly the splits are going to look like in a subscription model. Uh, you know, there, there have been some debates that it could actually be relatively higher um, than what we would normally see in an app store type of scenario for uh, physical apps in, a, in an iOS device or an Android device. But even beyond that, the idea that they start, started with a subscription model means that there is something of utility in continuity for this particular uh, skill. Jeopardy has enough data set inside of Amazon to know exactly what its use cases look like. And let's, let's be very frank about it. Most of the people that are using Jeopardy on a regular basis and Alexa on a regular basis has, guess what, a prime membership. So it's almost like what they're doing is they're, they're, they're sort of codifying the way they were handing out free money before. And as we know, and anybody's listened to earlier shows, Amazon for quite a few months was just handing out money to developers they thought were doing good things. And now they've codified it as part of a, uh, of, of a monetization system and putting it under the prime umbrella. So that means that users don't necessarily have to pay out of their pocket. And that's immensely important in any early ecosystem. And that's why I think one-time purchases don't resonate as much under the prime modality that they're using, this membership modality. There's, there's so much that we don't know about this 
even as great as this news is, we assume that it's a $199 a month subscription for people who aren't Prime members. So you assume that the the creator of Jeopardy gets the lion's share of that. You assume they actually get some of it at all. Uh, maybe underneath the hood, Amazon is just continuing to pay some black box amount and they're just the only thing that's changed is that they're now charging non non-prime members and the skill developer still gets the same black box check exactly whatever <laughs> so we don't you know but the, that. you know the other aspect is um how many people you know let's i have a little bit of my own research on this how many users of alexa really are not prime members and i think we're probably going to find out one way or another that it's a it's a maybe a high single digit or a low double digit number of uh users and certainly the early users see it as a reordering voice commerce type of platform so prime automatically locks in there so really it's just creating better value for that prime membership, which has become something extremely important for Amazon. And I think it's going to continue to be that way. So there's two tiers of, of voice assistance and the way I think about things, I, I think of the big mainstream players like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Samsung, Apple. And then I think of companies like what voices is doing or like what Microsoft AI is doing. Um, and, and companies that are looking to sort of differentiate themselves on a smaller scale or, or a one-to-one, like a B2B relationship or whatever. But uh, within this context, Ryan, uh, is there any reason in your mind from a developer standpoint that somebody would not be interested in, in um, investing in the Alexa platform over one of the other big juggernauts? I don't think so. I think it's actually probably more enticing now to be an Alexa developer uh, with this news. I think the value to your point about the prime membership and just the exposure that these developers are going to get as as it relates to the value that users have in a prime membership, I think is going to be uh, a time that they want to be developing for Alexa. I think that because Alexa has over 70% of the market in, in smart home devices and in voice enabled devices, it means that that is going to be the breadth in which people get exposure to these kinds of things. Um, where I do think there's going to be a, a very interesting battle that we're going to come up is how many devices uh, will people come up with before people have to pick and choose what they want to develop for. And, you know, obviously we've seen Cortana skills jump up 160%. We've seen uh, people building things for Google Home, obviously, and, and whatnot. So I think to be a developer in this space is really exciting right now. And I think that this announcement actually makes it a lot more exciting for them. I agree. I agree with Ryan. And, and you know, and I agree with your analysis of uh, the different tiers. But, you know, I think it's vitally important that there are these these segmented either business to business or use cases uh, that are out there. I mean, I like Houndify, uh, you know, they're doing incredible work. These are companies that tend not to get any of the uh, attention, but are doing things that I think are ultimately going to be useful. I, I, as you know, are not a belief, a believer that there's only going to be one uh, voice interaction system that you're going to have. There is going to be a dominant one, but I believe that we're going to be utilizing these things in, in multiple modalities. So I think all of this, just is creating a deeper and richer ecosystem without compensation models. And we've said this over and over without compensation models for developer, there is no ecosystem. And this is a memorial point in time where it started 
And I will go on record to say the voice first monetization when done properly, when done in the vision that I have will be largely, I won't maybe say two times, but significantly larger than the uh, income sources that are coming out of the iOS store as it exists today. Oh, and, completely, uh, yeah, completely agree with that. And I think no doubt. One, great, uh, one great thing about this for Amazon is that it puts uh, everybody else on the defensive once again. So in the arc of this week in voice, for the most part, Amazon has been blazing the trail. Um, and with rare exception, there's been some things like Google multiple voice recognition uh, that Amazon has not led on, uh, but otherwise they've pretty much led on everything. And, and now, you know, Brian, we have talked uh, several times on the show before about how many devices are there going to be in the home? You know, I've got smart speakers, fatigue, um, you know, all these sorts of things. And, um, now, I think we've got a new sort of angle on that where um, if Amazon moves forward with providing tools that allow everybody who wants to develop an Alexa skill to monetize it with some degree of flexibility, I'm not talking 100% flexibility, I'm just talking some, then all of a sudden that's a big timer that uh, you know, Apple and Google have got to, to catch up. Otherwise, there's going to be a point of no return where there's no turning back because everybody's so invested in, in, in Amazon if it takes a year for everybody to catch up. You know what I mean? And Bradley, we're rapidly approaching that point. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't speak enough. There's over 7,000 Alexa Army right now. These are 7,000 employees that are dedicated to do one thing, and that's to build these, uh, these infrastructures for the Alexa system. Uh, that is orders of magnitude larger than all of the others combined. They are not taking it very seriously. There is simply not enough people to hire. Uh, and if they think it's an engineering problem, finding more AI engineers, that's where they're really mistaken. I wrote a little piece uh, that is on the Alexa Conference blog. By the way, the Alexa Conference is coming up. It's in January. It's in Chattanooga. You should attend. It will sell out. It is not sold out yet. Uh, tons of great voice-first speakers and thought leadership. You I will attend. be there. And everybody yeah. listening to my voice, please sign up. It will sell out. Yeah, and Chattanooga is such a hidden gem of a place to visit. Anyhow, yes. I, di I digress. Uh, I gave a presentation at last year's Alexa conference, which we had in Nashville, sort of a pilot, just on different ways that Alexa skills could be monetized if the arc of the whole thing followed anything resembling the App Store. And now some of that is starting to come to fruition. And the post that I wrote uh, for alexaconference.com, it's short. All it's basically saying is right now, Amazon has uh, shown its hand. It's going to allow monetization of the Alexa skills marketplace. you got to get moving if you're going to develop an Alexa skill because you don't want to wait until Amazon says, okay, you know, here you go. It's all available publicly now. Uh, you know, you want to get started now while you still have a little bit of time on your side. And that's the point of the article. So check that out. We will move on to story number two. Not everything Amazon does turns to gold. Sometimes it's good to be reminded of that. Amazon released Amazon Key for its prime customers, which is it's, it's a combination of hardware you can buy that will then allow Amazon to come into your house and leave packages that you have purchased. And Ryan, I'm going to start with you. The consensus is that this is an awful idea, uh, implemented uh, and talked about and marketed in poor ways as well. Do you agree with that or do you see this differently? What do you take away from this? 
So I see both sides of it. I think that it's been marketed super poorly in a time that they've kind of piggybacked off of the news of what I believe was, was Walmart. Is that who also tried to do this? Yes. Um, Yes. Walmart and jet. Yeah. So the thing is, I think that like people are really comfortable with a lot of things that are invasive, but letting someone into their home based on uh, a special smart lock and a camera seems to be a lot to trust. And I think that if you watch the marketing video, it was kind of uh, this woman who needed to get a a gift for her mother for her birthday. and, And she was running late, didn't have time to clean the apartment. So not only did she let cleaners in, but then she let the Amazon delivery person in. And I just, I think that this is, I think that it's a stretch. I do, one thing that I do think is smart about it is if this is tied in any way to their effort to be uh, a bigger player in the logistics space, I could see why this is a big move for them because if they can own, um, you know, not only the ordering, but then the logistics of matching shippers with truck drivers to then uh, getting a delivery in your home for that end-to-end uh, fine-tuned logistics experience, I think it makes total sense. But I just don't see a, a short-term win for this one, and I'd be curious to see what the adoption rate is, especially for for Prime members. I think this is one of these things where we see Amazon's brand equity come to their rescue. And what I mean by that is Amazon has such powerful brand identity as pro-customer, uh, pro-public, pro-end-user, that when they do something that is this heinous, <laughs> and the, the product is not that, I mean, it's not like it's that horrible, but the way it was marketed, Ryan, I completely agree, absolutely horrible. Um, think about if Google had done this. Think about if Facebook had done this. People would be screaming. They would be marching on Silicon Valley with pitchforks. Uh, with Amazon, it's just like a face palm and like, uh, you may want to rethink that. So Amazon gets a little bit of a pass uh, here and in several other cases that other companies don't get. Brian, what what did you take away? Well, um, I have a completely different point of view of this, and I, I'm thinking in a, a, a maybe three-dimensionally. First off, let's look at the logistic problem as it exists today. About 47% of Amazon deliveries are in high-density locations. Uh, during the hours of between uh, 9 a.m. and about 5.30 p.m. That uh, correlates exactly to the moments when most people are working and they're not at home. Now, there is a quagmire that exists, and this is a very large quagmire. And that quagmire is, when do I deliver the goods to these people? How do I supplant the idea of them going to a local store? And how do I securitize this? Now, if you live, I don't live in a high density area. I'm basically in the country. But if you live in a high density area and you're not blessed with a doorman or a vestibule that's locked in some way, it's going to be left with a neighbor or it's going to be left on your uh, your doorstep uh, unattended, right? Uh, or, or, or you're going to have to wait and pick it up somewhere. Now, a large number of items are stolen off the porches of these high-density areas, especially when the, uh, the distrib- distributor has their logo on the side. Uh, I give you an example of Zappos. There was a known issue in some large cities where these big Zappos boxes were in front of the door, an Amazon company, by the way. And it's a guarantee that it's probably shoes and medium to high price clothing. And the shoes are probably medium to high price uh, in conversion to cash. Some of those shoes can be instantly converted to cash at a swap meter on eBay. 
it was a field day for people dressing up in brown uniforms or blue uniforms and wheeling off this stuff and stealing. So that was, I believe, the beginning of the genesis of this. But there's a lot more that wasn't talked about. And I think Amazon purposely put this out purposely shape this message. There is no accidents in those videos. There is no accidents in the way they're communicating it. This will all blow over. And the people who this does make sense for will adopt it. And the people who it does not make sense for uh, will walk away from it and say, this is utterly ridiculous. But there's something more going on to this. Yeah, I, that, I was going to say ahead. real quick, Brian. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And I think that maybe even the reason why they didn't spend a ton of money on marketing this granted you work for a company that's going to get media attention, no matter what you do, even if somebody's, you know, brings their own lunch for the first time in 10 years that they've worked there, you're going to get that attention. But this has the ability to, to your point, just make lives a lot easier. And as somebody who's lived in, in both settings before, especially if you're a prime member, when you're ordering things a lot at a higher Rate, High rate. Yeah. Exactly. Than, than most other people. This seems like a no brainer, especially because of the fact that this is exclusive to you. And I might add the negative press is good press. The fact that everybody, even on the evening news are talking about this means that anybody that could ever possibly want to be receptive to this message has heard it. The controversy will bypass. Uh, the existential problem is a stranger's opening the door, but let's look at that. We've got to break this down, and it's going to take a few moments. We, first off, Amazon is opening the door, not the stranger. The stranger is actually a vetted Amazon employee, and we won't get into the insurance elements of this, but let's assume they vetted them correctly, which I think they most definitely will for a lot of reasons. They only have so many seconds to get that package in your door. If they breach the transom of that door, the gateway of that door, they're recorded it's AI that looks at that person. It will facial recognize that person. They will immediately notify. This is not part of the press release. So I am talking out of class here, but they will immediately notify the authorities. You will not get away with the crime. Now, the only element that one is not thinking about is the, uh, uh, the shoulder hopper, the somebody that sees somebody coming up to that door thinking that Amazon's going to unlock it, push them down and run into that. But still, that's like an alarm system now saying that there is a, a criminal in your house and we have video. What if I told you that anybody that's at your front door that was arrested for a major felony, you'll now be able to know who they are the moment before you answer that door? And a lot of us have a family that may have been involved in felonies. So maybe they say Bob's at the door, that crazy Uncle Bob. No, or somebody on the wanted list, the FBI wanted list. All these, if they have a real picture, all these images are public domain. And I will, I will promise you will ultimately become part of a database, whether that is direct right now with uh, the Amazon Key product, but at some future point. Uh, and certainly, you know, Amazon Key is just one camera facing the front door. In the future, Amazon is opening up another pathway, and this is it, home automation. Okay. Really, people are missing that Amazon will come in and install this for, for you. And by the way, well, we can they will. do a new TV. <laughs> All this stuff, right? Think about what this is really doing, Amazon is opening up a shop inside of your, uh, inside of your house. And a lot of people joked, well, I'll just move my house to the Amazon warehouse. I saw that. I, probably uh, yeah. not, not too far <laughs> off. And by the way, I think Amazon will be building homes. I will go on record in the arc of 10 years, we will have an opportunity to buy an Amazon home uh, and probably an Apple or a home and maybe a Google home. That's the next uncharted territory. Self-driving cars is not the next big thing. Uh, uh, ultimately, I think it's going to be uh, homes built with this technology already permeated in every 
nook and cranny with a modern home. Uh, the home automation angle of what you just described is interesting. And for those listening who uh, have not subscribed to the Alexa podcast, one of our Voice First FM shows, yeah. uh, go on uh, Apple Podcast or Stitcher or whatever you use and, and subscribe to that. And when you do, look at it. It's episode three or episode four, uh, the one with Andrea Bianco out in Arizona. A uh, very interesting uh, entrepreneur who uh, runs a company called Smart Home Consultants, Smart either Smart Home Consultants or Smart House Consultants. And she, her entire business is around installing Alexa-enabled and voice-first automation, uh, not only in existing homes where people are living, but there's a whole angle on it where they install this equipment in homes they want to sell. And what they see is that the premiums uh, or the... Uh, uh, prices that willing, people are willing to pay the offers uh, go up uh, significantly when they do that. It's very interesting. Bradley, what they're doing is actually incredibly brilliant. And you want to know something? The market is so big, there can be thousands of companies doing it and it still won't be enough. Ultimately, this is the directional. And you're already talking about the home value increases when you have this automation sure. permeating in the house. And well, let's go back a step though. Yeah. We have a fundamental disagreement on Amazon Key. I think, yeah, it's, I, sure. think it's, I think it's awful. <laughs> I, I don't uh, want any part of it. Then and me, I agree. Me, but but here's the thing. I agree too. But I'm just saying we got to give Amazon an award for being able to just put this out there. Very few companies no, will don't. have the guts no, we, no, we to don't. go and do this. A startup <laughs> wouldn't even have the guts to do this. Well, that's, that's the difference. Well, I don't, uh, maybe. Uh, but see, I'm not into giving Amazon an award for having enough money to not go bankrupt because they executed this idea poorly. I don't think it's going to be a poor execution. I think it was designed to be exactly what it's supposed to be. It was not designed to uh, to be attractive to you or I. But it was. it is attractive to, to be for another audience. And in fact, they are literally riding the wave of bad publicity as a way of marketing this. And so, well, and I agree with that. Like the, the, the publicity thing and, and yeah, people are upset on Twitter or making fun of it and everything and Twitter people. Lose they don't that. matter. Yeah. They we don't on, matter. We yeah, on Twitter don't matter. matter I'm on Twitter all the time and we do not matter to the rest of the world. Yeah, no, we don't. And Twitter people overestimate the importance of Twitter on a daily exactly. basis. I'm the first to agree with that. However, the conversation around Amazon key uh, you discuss it for about five seconds, and it instantly turns into conversations about Big Brother. Um, oh yeah, sign that we're not ready for this yet. And maybe some, I, I'm not arguing that some people won't get a lot of value out of this, perhaps. But uh, so a little bit of background: my wife orders a lot on Amazon, especially this time of year, uh, and it's like I we probably show up on like some Amazon or <laughs> a distribution hub. Um, or something, but even in our case where she's ordering stuff, it's the idea of letting you some letting somebody into your house. We got we got a ways to go uh, before I'm down with that. But uh, this is a great discussion on that. But it, I got to ask though, it is really the slippery slope that we've always talked about on this show of privacy and security. And, and, you know, a lot of people would say to me, Brian, why are you so concerned about this is because we are going down that slippery slope and you can see my own uh, schizophrenia about this. Yes. I definitely understand the technology. I definitely understand the use cases. And I really do applaud Amazon for having the guts to do this mostly because it does have an impact to their brand. If it does go the wrong way. I don't think it's going the wrong way. I think it's actually doing exactly what they thought it was. I don't think they were dumb. I don't think they were insulated. They knew they studied this. But on the other side, yes, we are opening our homes. This entire show is based upon that. We're opening our homes to a microphone and now a camera 
that is always watching, always sentient. And we need to create protocols and best practices on how this is all going down. And guess what? Not a single one of these companies have it. Yeah, I mean, let's give them a round of applause for running the numbers and figuring out <laughs> uh, the, the cost, uh, the potential litigation cost, plus uh, whatever other costs that they came up with that may be associated with letting somebody in the front door. The bean uh, counter side of it. Yeah, are, yeah, are less than the shrinkage, uh, plus all the other replacement costs that they're going through right now. I don't think this got any further than that. I agree with what Ryan touched on it earlier about the video that was associated with this. The video I thought was not good. Um, the the it, it was almost comic book like, wasn't it? I mean, it, te- it seemed unrealistic. The uh, details to be of this, uh, the 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 concept is okay. I mean, maybe, uh, but the details I thought were missing. But uh, well, we'll have to agree to disagree on this. Yeah, I was just going to say the most interesting thing to me, and I'm Brian. I'm curious on your take on this. Is the pricing model for this it's super <laughs> weird? Like you're going after people that pay a monthly or they pay some sort of subscription to be prime members. They pay to be prime members. And not only you ask them to spend hundreds of dollars on hardware, but then you're also charging them a subscription fee for how much uh, of cloud storage they have access to or how much history uh, they can access. It seems like there needs to be a little bit more, you know, if we're really going to applaud Amazon for taking, taking a leap of faith on this one, they should probably own one of those two things. This is exactly my point. The model is wrong. The pricing, the, the one thing that I got, got to say about everybody in this space is they are really not thinking about the long-term impact of the pricing models, including Amazon. And they are a merchant, but they're going to get it right faster than anybody else who don't even have price models. But yeah, you know, what are they really trying to sell here? Well, they're trying to ultimately sell a multitude of things. And by putting everything in the, in the soup pot, if you will, some of these ingredients are conflicting. Some of them don't taste good together, but they're all in the pot together. And there are some that are saying, well, we need to bill for this and we're going to have to charge for that. You know what it should be? It should be a uh, monthly, they give it to you for free and you pay a monthly fee. I'm going to give, I'll give a secret away right now. Okay. Amazon, send me a check. Here's how it works. Uh, you pay, I, I will pick the price right now, uh, $12.95 a month and you get a lock and you get a camera and that's all you get and they will install it and, 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 and such. And I can even show you the math on how this will work. The pricing model Amazon's doing right, a subscription model, obviously for that. Uh, and ultimately what it does is it's, it's what I call the puppy dog clothes, all of us old, old timers in sales. Once I install a IOT camera uh, for security in your home, uh, once I've proven to you the value of that, you're going to want one at your front door, your back door, and all the other points, and you want to be able to pull it up. And you now have sold the cameras. This is a puppy dog close. So anybody who works at Amazon, please give me some credit for this. I would enjoy that. But no, it's $12.95, maybe $29.95 to start with and then knock it down. And all this other stuff, flatten out the price model, live streaming, whenever you want it, uh, archival, um, you know, maybe up to a year, uh, and, and then sell the AI. What Amazon has, which is extraordinarily powerful, is the ability to take that camera and not to use it as a video device, but to use it as an AI input device so that you can say, oh, that's my, that's my mom at the front door. Open up, right? That's where this is going. Mom's at the front door. I don't need to touch it. She automatically is cleared for this time, this date, unless you're running around in the shower and then, you know, whatever. And then you now, you now have a, an, an order of magnitude higher use case of this. And this is where it's going. That's why Amazon's doing this. Have no doubts. This has nothing to do with video. 
has a little bit to do with uh, security, but it has a lot to do with introducing AI into the home. And I'm going to tell you in the arc of 10 years, what we ultimately will see what Amazon was doing, just like AWS, they were the popularizers of real practical and pragmatic functional AI for the average person. And that's what this is at the end of the day. Well, yeah, so, you know, hope, hope that Kool-Aid tastes good on this. <laughs> no applesauce today, at least, right, Bradley? <laughs> uh, we'll have to uh, disagree to disagree. I hear you, man. Uh, well, I'm sure this will come up again. Uh, we'll now. archive this one. And yeah, we'll see. Absolutely. We'll see. So moving on to story number three, we got to give Google a little bit of credit here. Uh, they uh, did have a very interesting bit of news this week. They got 50 new kids' experiences, including a Disney game called Mickey Mouse Adventure and some other fairy tale stuff that they have added to the Google Home Voice First experience. So. They're fighting back in their own way. Um, and Ryan, I'm going to start with you again on this. Is this enough? Is this enough to ward off Amazon heading into the holiday season? Or how did you view this article? I actually loved it, Bradley. And, and the reason why I think it's so great is, is we all know that everyone is fighting for space inside the home. Uh, the earlier someone can use a product, the earlier someone can be associated with your experience. Like, look at the iPad today. Like, you know, while iPads amongst other folks are kind of the sales are going down, when you look at people that are under seven years old, their parents are giving them these things to play games on all day long. And and as you introduce these these speakers and these devices into the home, I think introducing them to, to Google Home or to Alexa earlier on will help build that brand affinity as they get older and you start to look at or if you play games on google home and now google is going to roll out their echo show competitor and now there's a screen that they can interact with and they start using their voice and and you know members of gen z and younger are actually influential of more than half of the family's household income budget in terms of what they spend money on so you get these really young kids uh and teens using these these platforms really early on and it totally shapes the way that the family itself uh uses the technology so i think it's super smart really well said completely agree brian i suspect you agree as well your thoughts yes i fully agree i think the ability to reach into the younger demographic is absolutely important you know when you think about it one of the high use cases of voice first systems are uh children and uh, it, it immediately sparked and still does to this day incredible curiosity with my children. And I've done now 19 research studies with uh, children under the age of uh, 15 uh, teenagers, obviously, too. And you can just see how this symbiotic relationship develops. And they literally expect it to be in their room once it's there. And you can hear these dialogues doing homework and uh, interactions of chains uh, of consciousness sort of questions. Well, what, is, what happens if this happens and this happens? So conversations that you would maybe have with a teacher, maybe have with uh, even with me as a dad, you know, sometimes some of the big questions I wanted to answer my, my younger child, he wound up asking, uh, you know, a voice for a system first, but hey, that's life. To, to actually get more and more uh, things that appear, uh, appeal to children done the right way, which by the way, I go back to my protocols and declarations. We need to have to establish how these things are going to happen clearly for the consumer, but at least we're moving in the right direction. So I think I applaud it. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, I, I view this as I sort of indicated at the at the start is this is the angle that Google's going to take for Q4. And um, it's a perfect marketing pitch. If, if they don't have 
information about these new, you know, kids experiences that differentiate the Google Home from the Echo enabled products, you know, plastered in Lowe's, plastered in Walmart, you know, plastered on the web, they're they're really missing an opportunity because this is this is why someone would buy a Google Home as opposed to an Echo. And there's not a whole lot of reasons that you would say that right now, just in my opinion. But yeah, we all agree this is fantastic. I agree. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And Bradley, one more thing that I think is going to be super interesting to see is when you see companies like Disney understand the implications of uh, just you know kids using Cinderella and Snow White and storytelling. And, and really, I think you're going to see this. And I'm, I'm going to pull a Brian here. I'm going to make a prediction. All right. I really think that you're going to start to see Companies like Disney, who are really trying to get on the younger age uh, demographics, try to incorporate voice as an extension of something that either Amazon or, or Google is already doing. So if Google can really penetrate uh, into the households with these stories and these games, particularly around the younger age, how do you extend that into an in-park experience? They just opened uh, you know, the park in China that has like 3 million people within uh, a certain mile radius to it, and that's going to be profitable next year. How do you extend that voice experience into other Disney uh, platforms, I think is going to be one huge avenue for them that I think that they're going to take a, a huge swing at in 2018. Ryan, a double high five for you, because I do agree with you. Uh, the perfect analysis. I would also extend it uh, your thesis a little further and say all brands that want to reach out to children totally need to be on this platform right now. And if, if Disney has not been the rallying cry, uh, it may be too late for for those brands, uh, and I, I really mean that. You have to be on this platform. You have to understand it. It it touches on a lot of things, but really to put a button on it, uh, every company, every individual, everybody's got a story to tell. It's a noisy world. The way you cut through that is through narrative and through storytelling. And you know, with this Google Home thing with Disney, um, these are telling stories that will captivate. Uh, young imaginations and and build brand affinity with Google, tie them into that ecosystem uh, more than they otherwise would have. Uh, but this touches on a big thing theme that we will be touching on uh, throughout the rest of the year into next year. And it's why we went out and acquired the Digital Book World business uh, and specifically the Digital Book World Conference. And we will be integrating uh, a, a decent amount of voice technology and voice first businesses and that whole angle into uh, the publishing realm, uh, you know, because you've got all these companies that are out creating content, the traditional publishers creating books, every company that exists creating white papers, long form content and voice will be part of that. And um, it's interesting to think that that is uh, a takeaway from a story like this, but it absolutely is because voice is, is so central to uh the next level of storytelling, which is interactive storytelling. And so it's exciting to explore. And this is just the beginning of it. So I appreciate y'all's analysis on this. We're going to skip over story number four, um, because it's sort of tied in with story number one um, in some of the pro Amazon discussion. Um, I view Microsoft's grow and Cortana skills as directly related to their partnership with Alexa that dated back a couple of months ago and the timing matches up. Um, I concur. I absolutely concur. And that's a great analysis. Yeah. yeah as well. uh, so, that, so we will uh, conserve a little bit of time and skip straight to the final story here, which is kind of an interesting one. It's an ad week story um, about how uh, this particular writer believes that Facebook's user data that they're collecting will allow uh, eventually Facebook to surpass Amazon's voice first initiatives. And Brian, on this one, I'm going to start with you and then go to Ryan. 
What did you take away from this? And do you agree with the uh, takeaway, the conclusion of the article? Well, thanks, Bradley. Uh, yes, anybody's heard my voice here and uh, and read my stuff in uh, Multiplex Magazine. Uh, I, I've covered this. Am, uh, Amazon is in a great position, and uh, Facebook is in a great position. I think Facebook, ultimately, for a general purpose, voice-first AI-based system, is in probably the most pristinely perfect position. It's their will to act, act on it. And as you can tell, they're taking their time. Uh, a year from now, we'll see some of this start to execute. Um, uh, I think we're going to see it. Uh, by the, a year from now, we'll see how that execution is looking, which is going to be pretty fascinating, and I think it's going to dominate quite well. And again, I don't think it's an either or. I just think our expectations are going to constantly be ratcheted up as we see what highly contextual data about an individual works through the system and becomes a personal assistant, a true personal assistant, which none of these systems currently are. They're Q&A devices, and that's a radically different concept. They're like the command line interface before the graphical user interface showed up. In this case, the graphical user interface analogy is dialogue in high context. So yes, Facebook has this capability right now, and they are slowly massaging their ideas. Uh, that's the best I can tell you unofficially. Uh, or unofficially. And, and I think what ultimately we're going to see is developing a unique use case that few had thought would have come from Facebook. You know, the only thing I, I disagree with, with the Ed Week, and by the way, it's a great story. I think everybody should read it. I just, I tweeted out, uh, read this twice. Uh, and I really mean that. Uh, the only thing I, I can be critical is uh, the Renee uh, Regina Dugan just left uh, Facebook. And they were basing a whole lot about Regina's work there. And Regina uh, came from DARPA. And DARPA gave us the internet and uh, Siri, ultimately. Siri came out of a DARPA research project. So most of the cutting-edge technology that we're all using right now came from the organization that Renee, Regina Dugan was, uh, was operating. And she was one of their critically important employees. She left Google to Facebook and about nine months later is out of Facebook. And I can tell you right now, we've not heard the last of her. Her voice will be heard. You, lo- yeah. you love you some Facebook. Uh, yeah. I, you know, and, and I'm not a big Facebook user, but I do know that when they pair social media to a voice-mediated uh, AI environment, they are going to really have rocket fuel there. And we're going to start seeing the low-hanging fruit use cases uh, that are going to be monetizable very quickly start developing because of that combination. It'll be interesting to watch. Ryan, your your takeaways from the article. Yeah, I mean, as a marketer, Facebook is still the most undervalued platform in terms of engaging with people with the amount of data that they have and the access in which they have to your interest and your social social graph. So there's no question that they have all that data. What's most interesting to me is Facebook's push to be more of a platform company. Obviously, we saw uh, recently with uh, the news about organic reach for a lot of publishers going down, a lot of brands because uh, it's more of a pay-to-play because the newsfeed is becoming sacred and they wanted for you to really have to kind of work for the effort to get into that sacred space of their users. I think they're understanding that they're a platform. Between Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, you think about voice, there's a natural synergy there with Messenger and WhatsApp. And then obviously voice is going to be a huge part of everything AR and VR. And that's what honestly we've been seeing at Voices is just a lot of these companies 
understand that it's a it's a lot more about kind of like you know we are we're an API based platform, so it's a lot more of these platform based approaches that can help them engage in all of these devices that we're going to have in the future, or none of these devices that we're going to have in the future, depending on how it turns out. But I do think that there will be a voice interface within the Facebook platform or the for the Facebook ecosystem just because it, it makes a ton of sense for them from a an adoption standpoint, from a user experience standpoint. And, you know, as you're looking to bring on the next billion people around the world online who are mainly working with audio and visual experiences today, this is the thing that's going to be most complementary to those experiences. Very good. Thank both of you. Brian, did you have something to add there at the very end? I, I just have to say Ryan's insights, they're absolutely brilliant. And I, I, I fully agree. I mean, the, the fact that Facebook has such a valuable potential platform play and uh, if, if one to really understand the definitional reasons behind that, they are um, really the 5,000 pound gorilla in the room that people aren't recognizing. And, and the voice mediation of that is just the beginning. So, so you had to go we'll, we'll see how it plays out there. Yeah, we are Kool Aid. We are Kool Aid heavy here. <laughs> Strawberry Kool Aid. I'm going to bring a lot of Kool Aid to the Alexa conference. I want everybody to bring their Kool Aid shirt. We'll have to serve uh, Kool Aid actually for one of the uh, during uh, at some point during the day. That would actually be pretty hilarious. <laughs> I, I absolutely I absolutely believe it. Yes. <laughs> Um, gentlemen, thank you very much for setting the time aside today. Thank you for all of your insights and expertise. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Bradley. Appreciate it. Both of y'all were great. Thoroughly appreciate it for episode 16 of This Week in Voice. Thank you for listening. And until next time.